0: Hello and welcome to the mysterious death of Edna Kennard. Part 3. Marjorie. Marjorie Pageter wasn't having her best day. She was absolutely fuming. She knew she shouldn't get worked up, what with her blood pressure being through the roof again. It's hardly surprising having to deal with a bunch of idiots, she thought thinking calm thoughts, just wound her up further. Her consultant, a Mr. Alhambra, had prescribed yet another tablet to go with the bucket load she already took, and advised trying meditation as well, picturing visiting the beach with the sound of waves sloshing up and down the pebbles to relax her. All it succeeded in doing was bringing back memories of a bloody great seagull nicking her chips. Getting tar on her new summery dress and ruining it. Sitting next to a noisy family from Rill, who she expected were having a much better time than her. They had a litre bottle of Lambrusco in an ice bucket, for goodness sake. And treading in dog shit on the way back to the station. God, she hated the beach, hated seagulls, hated tar, hated people having fun, hated dogs randomly shitting everywhere and then getting it in the tread of her new sandals. It took ages to get out with a scrubbing brush with much retching, which only made the situation worse. She didn't blame the dogs, though. It was the utterly useless owners who seemingly didn't give a damn about clearing up the steaming heaps left by their pets, usually smack. Bang, in the middle of the sodding pavement. She had a special pit of bubbling ordure for those bastards. As a calming measure, it didn't work. The train was late again. She had drunk too many cappuccinos while waiting in the coffee shop on the station platform, and was very jittery. When the train did eventually arrive... There was no buffet car, and first class had been invaded by hordes of children. It was all she could do not to puncture a couple of the little beasts with her knitting needles. She had to maintain the image of a kindly old granny travelling on the train to meet up with her grandchildren, who all loved apple pies and loving nature, when the reality was mm, a little different from this idyll. She tried smiling at a couple of them, but she was seriously out of practice and it came over as a ghastly grimace. At least it sent them squealing off for their mother. She seriously doubted if she was the same species as these noisy, horrid little sods. And to top it all off nicely, the car didn't turn up on time to pick her up from the station and when it did arrive, what did they send? Hmm? Derek's head will be on a spike for this they sent the biggest, most ostentatious Mercedes-Benz she had ever seen with a driver of massive proportions. Uh, Honestly, Marjorie was looking for the bolts in his thick neck. His big block-shaped head was remarkably free from scars and bruises, though. Not at all like the monsters that Derek usually sent as her drivers. Marjorie sat in the back of the huge car and stared at his head and neck, which slowly turned pink as a blush spread up from the too-tied collar of his shirt. Marjorie sighed. Oh, OK, OK, what's your name, driver? She said, half expecting a grunt and some butch, aggressive title in a show of bravado. Oh, surely, ma'am, he replied softly as the blush reached his ears. He glanced shyly in the rearview mirror. Shirley! Sorry. <clears throat> Shirley? I know, I know. My mum loved the wrestling on the telly when it was on World of Sport on a Saturday afternoon with Dickie Davies in the 1970s. She was a fan of Big Daddy. Oh? His real name was Shirley Crabtree. I didn't really stand a chance. Could have been worse, I suppose. Could it? Oh, yes. I could have been named after Giant Haystacks or Kendo Nagasaki. Right. Uh, uh, Yes, Um, I can see that. Oh, well. Oh, well. Let's get on. I've not seen you before. Is this your first time working for us? Yes. My mum said I should have a trade to fall back on, so I decided to have a go at this. You do know what we do, do you? Well... Mum said it was business, so that's all right. Yes, yes, it is business of a sort. Um What do you like with blood? Oh no, can't stand the sight of it, makes me queasy. And the smell yuck, yuck, yuck. Why? Is there blood involved then? Mm, buckets of it, thought Marjorie, although she didn't say so. She looked "'Appraisingly, at Shirley, hmm, do you like musicals, Shirley?' "'Oh, yes, Carousel is a favourite, as is Lame Miz. "'anything with Doris Day in, whip crack away, oh, I could go on and on.'" Oh, there's no new Fred and Ginger, of course. Putting on the Ritz. Love, love, love those. Oh, the drama. The tailcoats, the ostrich feather boas, the silk frocks. The gorgeousness of it all. Marvellous. Mum thought I'd make a lovely dancer. Spinning and swirling about, tippity tappity, tap dancing. Shirley was swaying from side to side, making the car rock on its suspension. I'm sure you would, if we could just make a... St- Ethel Mammon! There's no business like show business, there's no business I know. Shirley, I... It's on with the show! Shirley! There was a sudden silence in the car, as Shirley stared horrified in the rearview mirror. Oh, so, so, sorry, ma'am, he said in a small voice. I get a bit carried away. Mum said I need to concentrate and not muck this job up. But when I think of the lights and the costumes and the dancing and the music... Yes, well, mm, let's just get on, shall we? And I don't mean the show! No, Mum. Ma- no, Mum. I, I I mean, yes, Mum. Oh, I've got a right one here, thought Marjorie, jabbing with her blood-red nails at the phone screen, which remained resolutely dark. How do I turn this bloody thing on, and where was bloody Derek's phone number, she muttered. What she'd wanted was an unobtrusive car, a small Hyundai or Toyota. That she could have driven herself would have been just perfect. She would have blended in as a harmless old biddy moving into her retirement accommodation. Oh, Derek never listened to her. Well, he bloody well would this time. Just wait till he she worked out how to turn on this new iPhone 45, or whatever its name was. She fancied calling it Brian after a lover, who also refused to be turned on, regardless of how much she poked it, or gripped it, or violently shook it. I hope the bloody phone lasts longer than he did, she thought, smiling cruelly. The phone was apparently made of titanium, "'which would be very handy for breaking the window "'when she threw the sodding thing through it, "'or for smiting Derek a mighty blow the next time she saw him. "'Which might be a while, "'as he'd made himself very scarce, the little weasel. "'Marjorie was looking forward to the smiting. "'And to top it all, "'when they finally arrived in Charterfield Close, "'she had to wave like a simpleton "'when she saw those two nosy bitches "'watching her from the next-door front window.' the shorter round one with a mass of unruly hair, was laughing a lot, while her friend seemed to be enveloped in a cloud of steam through which Marjorie caught a glimpse of wildly gnashing teeth and bulging eyes. "'Oh, Christ!' muttered Marjorie, involuntarily stepping back and banging her ear on the top and her knee on the side of the Mercedes' rear door. "'Ow! Ow! Ow! Shit! Shit! Shit!' In Betty's living room, the two friends watched as the woman rubbed her ear and hopped about swearing loudly. She looks like fun, said Alice. Betty just watched and said nothing. Thank you. Thank you. That was the end of the third part of The Mysterious Death of Edna Kennard, read by Kevin Green. Please join me again for further installments. Thank you. Goodbye.